Well, it's been a while since I've uh, seen it, uh, but there is a rather thought-provoking moment in uh, Lewis Carroll's classic children's story of Alice in Wonderland, when uh, Alice finds herself in a place of many intersections, of divergent pathways, and uh, when she is there, she also meets, as you might remember, the Cheshire Cat, and she asks the cat which direction she should take. Well, that depends on where you're going, says the cat to Alice, but Alice replies and says, but I don't know where I'm going. Oh, says the cat, in that case, any road will get you there. <laughs> Sounds a lot to me like a baseball legend Yogi Berra, who famously said to his ball players one day, fellas, when you come to a fork in the road, take it, whatever that means. Uh, because also in the words of Yogi Berra, if you don't know where you're going, you'll just end up someplace else, which I think is also true. Uh, well, today I want to uh, welcome you to uh, part two of a little two-part sermon for these early weeks of June entitled Decision Time, in which uh, we're taking a look at what it means for you to make and lead others in making godly decisions for the direction in your life. And in case you weren't here for part one last week, I began by talking about the children of Israel in the book of Joshua, who in spite of God's faithfulness to them during their journey through the wilderness and into the promised land, started cozying up to the idols of false gods until Joshua stands up and he tells them that they had a big decision to make and that it was the biggest decision of their entire life, whether to worship and serve the manufactured idols of this world and whatever that represents for you or means for you in your life today, or to worship the living God who sees us through the bad times as well as the good times. After which I suggested that you really can't make godly decisions about uh, the relatively smaller issues and questions that you face in life without first settling that primary issue question and decision about who you are in relationship to this living God. Turn to the person next to you and say, it took him 20 minutes to say that last week. <laughs> but assuming you have made that decision, which I certainly hope and pray is the case, uh, there are so many other decisions that are still yet to be made in life about what to do and uh, how to react and uh, what direction that you should travel at those critical intersections in your life. And, you know, I'm, I'm not talking about the easy ones or the no-brainers like, you know, what to have for lunch or, you know, whether to say yes to free tickets to a Steeler game or, you know, something that's very obvious to you. I'm talking about the decisions that you really agonize over. Do I marry this person? Or do I remain single? Do I choose that career path or this career path? Do I confront this situation that is in front of me or do I back off? Do I make a move? Or do I stay where I am? And how do I know what God's will is for those decisions that confront me in my life. Well, you know, the good book says that we walk by faith and not by sight, and that's true. 
Uh, but I do want to lift up a, a handful of questions uh, that may not cover all the bases or be uh, entirely complete, but that I have applied and uh, used to discern the Spirit's prompting in my own decision-making and in my own life, and that I'd like to offer up to you today, if for no other reason than it puts your decision-making into the context of your faith and who you are as a child of God. And if you do that, I believe you know, you're pretty much halfway there already. And the first of those uh, questions in the face of whatever the decision is that is in front of you is this. Is there one option, is there one alternative to this decision that is in direct conflict with what I already know to be God's will for my life? Because if the answer to that question is yes, then that decision or option can immediately come right off the table. And so, uh, you know, an example that I've used, you know, a hundred times over the years, uh, but it's a good one for those who haven't heard it, is uh, of a guy who came to me, you know, many years ago, and true story, told me that God was calling him to leave his wife and marry his girlfriend. And I looked at him and I said, no, he's not. <laughs> now, you, you know, you might end up doing that. But I can guarantee you that God is not calling you to do that. And the point that I think you probably get is that there are some decisions that can come right off the table if they're uh, unethical, if they're immoral, if they're in direct conflict with who I am as a person who has chosen to serve the Lord. And if you want to get good at this, just, you know, get into the scriptures. And I think, you know, answering that question will get progressively easier along the way. But if the answer to the question is, is no, there's nothing that's really in direct conflict with uh, who I am as a child of God or God's will for my life as I already know it, then the next question I would probably ask is, well, is there anything, any alternative or, or option here that is indirectly in conflict with some other calling uh, that God has placed me in that he also wants me to honor. Uh, for example, uh, several years ago, I got a phone call one day, and I went home that night, and, and I said to Patty, you know, hey, uh, how would you feel about me uh, serving a church in Denver? And she said, well, I would miss you. <laughs> That's how I feel about it. You know, I said, okay, well... And, you know, usually she says the opposite, you know, hey, if this is the Spirit's call, you know, I'm in, you know, I'm with you. But, you know, not this time, which is to say uh, that while Jesus calls us to follow him and worship him and serve him above all else, he also wants us to honor the covenants and callings to which he has already placed us and that, in fact, it really is possible to do both of those things uh, at the same time. But if that question doesn't do the trick, if it doesn't tilt you or move you into a, a decision and you're still at the intersection, then the question I would ask myself is this. Which option, which alternative would better enable me to glorify God? And trust me, that is a very different question than which option is better for my career? What will increase my status? What relationship will give me the most pleasure? What will earn me the most money? 
Rather, on the basis of my gifts, the life that God has given me, the world into which God has placed me, from what decision will God get the most mileage out of my life? I promise you the world will not put that question in front of you. But if you ask it, you may be very surprised to see just how many other decisions really do begin to fall into place. And if it doesn't, then it may just mean that the God who loves you and who honors your faithfulness and the care that you place in your decision-making may be giving you the freedom to choose and saying, go ahead and pick one. With a wisdom in your head, with a passion in your heart, with the gifts that I've given to you, and I will be happy with you no matter what it is that you do as long as you honor him and serve him by serving others in some way, shape, or form. Now, in addition to these questions, you know, I hope it goes without saying that as a, a person of faith, your decision-making process in life would also be bathed in things like prayer and worship and communion and conversation with godly people in your life and uh, with a loving consideration of the impact that your decision could have on your community, on your family, on your church. Spend some time thinking about you know, your motivation and what it really is that's driving you, and be honest about that. Watch out for people and forces that will tempt you away from godly decision-making, and believe me, they are also out there. Spend some time, you know, paying attention to your feelings, your gut reaction, although watch out for making an emotional, impulsive decision after which you can experience some buyer's remorse from time to time. On the other hand, also be careful about what we sometimes refer to as paralysis by analysis, when you really do have a decision that you need to make in your life, because as the old saying goes, you know, not to decide is to decide not to, which makes me sound like Yogi Berra all over again. And you might also spend some time thinking about uh, the decisions that you've made in the past, including the ones that didn't work out too good, to see how they might inform your decision-making in the future. Because, you know, there's a verse in the book of Proverbs that says, and I quote, as a dog returns to its vomit, a foolish man repeats his error. And this old dog has done that a time or two along the way. And it stinks. But there's one other question that I want to lift up before you prior to the end of part two today. And it is the question of whether I really understand and can accept the implications of the decision that I make in life. And that takes me back to the lesson that Pastor Miller read just a moment ago from the Gospel of Mark, where we meet this rich guy who has a lot of property in the world. But he's also a religious guy, and he wants a place in the kingdom of God, so much so that in the passage, he literally runs to Jesus, and he asks him, teacher, what should I do? Tell me what to do, which is where this whole discussion started in the first place last week. So Jesus tells him what to do. Sell your possessions, give the money to the poor, and follow me. And that's when the man realizes 
that he cannot accept the implications of such a decision. And though conflicted, he walks away from Christ. Who then turns to the people who have decided to follow him, and to them he says, you know, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Not because you can't be wealthy and also be a Christian, but because you can't hold on to idols and also hold on to him. You know, and it doesn't say it in the Bible, but we do know from history uh, that in first century Jerusalem, when the large main gates of the city would be closed at night, the only way for travelers or or merchants to gain access into that holy city was through uh, one of the so-called night gates, which were much smaller, and they were designed that way to prevent uh, marauders and thieves and bandits from storming the city. And we don't know which one of these uh, night gates it was, but there's a commentary from the ninth century that refers to one of them as the needle's eye. And it is said that through the needle's eye, a camel actually could pass. But first, all of its baggage had to remove, be removed. It all had to come off so that it could then stoop down and crawl into the holy city. Which is to say that when God wants you and me to come to him, he wants us holding nothing in our hands. Wants us to put down the idols, to get rid of whatever it is that stands in the way of a place in the kingdom that he alone has made possible by his grace and his sacrifice, and his goodness for us. And the reason he issues that call is there in the lesson from the Gospel of Mark. It is because he feels love for us. Or because in Joshua's farewell message to the children of Israel, which we heard last week, God is jealous. He is jealous of anything that gets in the way of what the two of you can have together. And most of all, it's because the decision that Jesus made to forgive you, to walk with you, to set you free from whatever it is that creates fear or shame in your life came with the consequence of his death on his cross so that nothing in all this creation will ever be able to separate you from the love of God in him, ever. If you don't know where you're going, any road will get you there. But friends, you don't have to end up someplace else when by the grace of God and the power of his spirit, you choose who you're going to serve. And you walk by faith and you follow Christ for his glory, for your joy, for the hope of the world. And that's it for part one and for part two, except to say, God bless your decisions, and may he bless and give you the time of your life in Christ. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.